Welcome to OT Uncorked, where we uncork hot topics in occupational therapy with a bottle of wine. I'm the host, Miranda Donnelly. I am so glad you've joined me for this extra special episode of OT Uncorked. For the past five months, I've been keeping a little secret. In fact, that secret is currently the size of a bunch of grapes and is squirming around as I prepare this episode. You might have guessed it, I'm pregnant. My husband Sean and I are so excited to be parents and can't wait to meet our little guy in just a few months. We're currently 24 weeks along and expecting to meet our son around September 1st. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of talking to my friend and fellow OT Mama podcaster, Sarah Putt, about everything pregnancy. Since recording this episode, Sarah gave birth to her little one. We collaborated on this episode, so you'll find the same interview on the OT for Life podcast, but you'll definitely want to listen in on her version as well to get updates on life with a little one. Hey, Miranda, how are you today? Big scale, I'm doing really well. Micro, still somehow exhausted after 10 and a half hours of sleep, but I have a feeling you can relate. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) I like that, that big scale and that micro scale, because I think, yeah, on the big scale, like, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm here yeah. and healthy and everything's good. And micro scale, yeah, I've definitely got a little bit of pain going on. And mm-hmm. ten and a half hours of sleep sounds amazing. I'm, I don't even, I think I've probably gotten that just in the last week combined. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, oh no, you know. <laughs> but I'm good. I'm here and I'm very happy to be chatting with you today. And after announcing my pregnancy earlier this year. I had a lot of people reach out to me wanting to know more about my experience and especially how being an OT practitioner has influenced my thinking about this entire process. And then when I found out that you were also pregnant, I was like, yep, I knew exactly that we had to come together and record an episode about our experiences so far from that occupational therapy lens. Mm -hmm. So I want to start first by saying that you and I, We are not experts. We are not even claiming to be experts in pregnancy, especially because this is both of our first pregnancies that we're going through. Not even a little expert. Nothing. (laughs) Not even an ex. (laughs) Yeah. But what I will say is that we are experts in our own experiences and in our own journey and everything that we've been going through so far. And really the point of this episode is to share about those experiences and shed some light for anybody that might also be pregnant or considering becoming pregnant one day. And I also want to mention, we're just going to kind of start with some of these disclaimers, that if anybody is listening right now that is trying to get pregnant and potentially having some of their own struggles or maybe dealing with infertility, this episode could be triggering for you. So all I want to say and all we want to say is really Mm -hmm. listen with caution and be mindful of your own mental health if you do choose to listen to this episode. And I'll add to that as well, that when we were initially just talking about doing an episode together about pregnancy, really we're coming from a place of vulnerability and honesty and just really wanting to share with the people who listen to our podcast about this experience. But we also want to acknowledge that our experience so far of motherhood and what it means to be a mother is just one of the many ways that motherhood can be and and feel and exist. And so just want to approach this episode with honoring all moms, whether biological moms, adoptive moms, people who are moms to members of their community or aunts or uh, moms of babies that are 
already in heaven or, um, you know, moms of babies desired that um, have not been born yet. And we just want to yeah, come from a place of honoring them and just talking about our own experiences. Like you said, Sarah, not as experts at all, but yeah. just from uh, knowing of our own experience and being experts of what we're going through right now. Exactly. So the big news, I guess, is we'll we'll kind of say where we are in this journey right now. And currently I am, as of today, 36 weeks pregnant. And Miranda, where are you at? And we share a bump day where, you know, on Wednesdays, we bump over to that next week mark, all the apps flip over and tell us the new fruit size, right? (laughs) Which is always what I look forward to. (laughs) If you're like my husband, apparently you can actually set it to not just be like fruits or vegetables, it can actually be objects. So today, my, my baby is the size of a Tickle Me Elmo. Oh, or a bunch of kale. Or, oh, now I'm blanking on, there was one other thing oh, and I amazing. was like, oh, awesome. Tickle me Elmo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I remember when those came out in the nineties, my grandmother knew they were going to be the biggest, hottest toy. So she bought like the whole store out of them. So she could sell them online. So funny. Anyway, that's my only memory of Tickle Me Elmo. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I am today 17 weeks pregnant. I just checked my app. My son, because it's a Boy, my son is the size of a tangy pomegranate. I am not sure how that differs from a normal pomegranate. Got got some attitude already. <laughs> I, I, I believe it. <laughs> Based on his parents, I believe it. <laughs> and actually, that brings up a good point. So yay, first of all, like congratulations with knowing the gender and knowing that it's going to be a boy. My husband and I, we actually have chosen not to find out. So we don't mm-hmm. know. So I'll probably be referring to my child as the baby or mm-hmm. they, them, it, which is kind yeah. of weird, but uh, not, not sure what else to say. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. The other day, somebody asked me if we had a nickname for the baby since we're not sharing the name until he's born. And I said, um, baby, <laughs> I, I don't know. I've been calling him baby. <laughs> sure. So I guess I need to come up with a more clever nickname. Do you guys have ah. a, a nickname or anything you're using? Yeah, actually, because both the female and male names that we have picked start with the letter A. So we have been calling it baby A as well, which would go either way. Exciting. Yeah. I like that. Okay, cool. (laughs) You're not even going to hint at what the first letter is. (laughs) Nope, because if I make one hint, I'll tell everybody. So I have to be disciplined. I know myself. (laughs) Awesome. So I think one of the biggest things that both you and I, and and we've had multiple conversations about this as soon as we Mm -hmm. kind of both realized that we were pregnant and going through pregnancy, a pandemic, all, (laughs) all the things at the same time. But I think one of the biggest things that really has, hold on, pregnancy brain here. Oh, it's the realest. Pregnancy (laughs) brain is so real. (laughs) I think one of the biggest things that both you and I have gone through during our pregnancies is this transition of our identities from all of our previous roles to now the role of being mom and being pregnant. So I want to start by really kind of diving in and asking you, when was that first moment and what was that moment like when you had that shift in identity, when you really had this realization of like, oh, I'm pregnant and it's not just me anymore? I think for me, it hasn't been one specific moment. I just sort of keep being reminded 
that I'm pregnant, I'm, I'm at the stage where just the past couple of weeks, I've just actually started to show. And so I can look down and actually see evidence that I'm pregnant. But up until then, you know you're pregnant, you can see the ultrasound. But for me, there was a bit of a disconnect between what I was seeing on the ultrasound screen and then this knowledge that what I'm seeing is actually what's inside of me, which is so wild. So I feel like the realization that I'm a mom has come slowly and in kind of in spurts where I just kind of get overwhelmed with this amazing fact that I get to be a mom and that it happens so suddenly, right? I We didn't know we were pregnant until week, I think week six or seven is when we took a positive pregnancy test. And in that moment, it was just, okay, I'm a mom. And I looked at my husband and said, you're a dad now. And it was just this crazy thing to say out loud and it didn't feel real yet. And I would say it feels real at the least expected times. And I think particularly when we start to plan for things that are coming up this fall or next winter when we're actually already going to be able to hold our son and there's going to be three of us going everywhere, already starting to plan ahead and, and make decisions that are not just about, well, what's healthy and safe for me or for my husband, but what's best for this child that we haven't even gotten to know yet. I think those are the moments where I realize, okay, motherhood starts the minute you find out. And yeah, it's it's an interesting journey. And, and I just get so overwhelmed with excitement when I think about it. And when I look down at my belly and realize, oh my goodness, that's not just because I've been eating too much. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a human in there and, um, and I get to be his mom. And that's, yeah. So it, there's no one moment where it struck me. It strikes me in, in little moments. How about you? I, I want to know. I want to know if you have. Did you have like one moment, or for, has it been similar? No, I'm completely the opposite, and I think, <laughs> I think this is why this conversation is going to be so valuable because some things we might agree on, some things might be really different. Uh. But for me, I'll, I'll start with like. I knew I was pregnant before I missed my menstrual cycle. I knew mm -hmm. probably a week or two before I was even supposed to get my period. Like mm, I was getting wow. these weird symptoms. I'm super in tune with my body, like to a fault where, yeah, sometimes I might overreact and sometimes I've thought I was pregnant in the past and whatnot. But like there were things about this time period that were just different. And there were things mm. that I'm like, this is not just normal PMS symptoms. This is not normal for me in any way. And so I knew, I knew I was pregnant from very, 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 very early on. And I think we ended up taking a pregnancy test like maybe three days after I was supposed to start my period. And, and of course it was positive. And really, I think for me, that moment of having that shift in my identity started right then because- mm. All of a sudden, I knew that it wasn't just me and my body anymore, that I was really mm -hmm. starting to have to think about another being and think about what I'm doing to my body, what I'm putting in my body. So honestly, like I think it was like minute one that I recognized yeah. that things needed to be changed right away. Like I had to be more mindful about my diet, the vitamins that I'm taking, the exercises, even though like I know at that point I didn't have to change a lot, but like I just had to think about it. And I think as the pregnancy has really gone on, it's been a constant state of change, especially as things have progressed and as I've gotten bigger and more uncomfortable and yeah. you know, all the things that kind of come with being pregnant. So yeah, for me, it started like, Right then, minute one, as soon as I found out, wow. I'm like, yep, my identity has started the progression of changing. It sounds like they talk about maternal intuition, right? Like a mother's intuition. And yours started before you even found out you were officially pregnant. You just knew you were pregnant. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think some people are like, there's no way. They're like, there's no way that you knew. But like, 
I probably, I, I should have like wrote it down, but for at least a week, if not maybe eight, nine, 10 days, I had this inkling that I was pregnant. I did not say anything to my husband because he has been wanting kids for years at this point and I didn't want to be wrong. And then like get his hopes up. So I kind of like I started cutting out caffeine and I started cutting out alcohol and like cutting out some Mm -hmm. of these things that, you know, you're not supposed to do when you're pregnant. And it was funny (laughs) because when it came down to the time for me to tell him, it actually came out because he was like, hey, do you want a cup of tea in the morning? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I don't think I should have caffeine anymore. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, I think I'm pregnant. This is, I hadn't taken a test or anything like that. And, you know, totally like oh, wow. not romantic, not like not at all how I wanted it to go. But I had already been thinking about it for like a week or more at that point, And it just it just came out. <laughs> I am impressed you made it a week without saying anything, honestly. And I think that is really sweet. He was offering to get you a cup of tea and it was something he's been waiting for for so long. You just kind of just drop that in there. I love that. I think that's so sweet. <laughs> Everyone else always has these like super like cute, like Pinterest worthy, Instagram worthy, like yeah. how you tell your spouse. And here I am just like, oh, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> I love those. I love seeing them. When people can pull those off, I'm like, yes, you go, girl. I think that's amazing. I... <laughs> I knew I couldn't do that. We um, so I'll, actually, I'll just tell you briefly kind of how we found out. So we were spending Christmas with family and my I was just so hungry. And my mom at one point said, oh, well, maybe you're pregnant. And I said, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm just hungry. It's fine. You make good food. Um, And that was the only comment she made. I don't think she even really fully believed it. I think she was just being a mom. I'm like, oh, well, when I was pregnant, I got hungry, right? More than normal. So I think she was just throwing it out there. And then we were um with my aunt and uncle. And I started to feel really nauseous in the mornings. And that's not abnormal for me. I've had nausea for years. I used to take prescription medication for it. And so, you know, I've, I'm have i used to nausea. And I kept saying, it's fine. It's no big deal. I know how to handle it. And my uncle said, hmm, sure. You just don't feel well. Okay, Miranda. Are you sure you're not pregnant? I was like, no, I am not pregnant. Okay, please stop. And um, not that I was, uh, you know, opposed to it or anything. I just thought... This is so classic. A woman gets nauseous and she's yeah. soon to be pregnant. Yeah. And <laughs> nauseous and hungry. <laughs> and then we get to the airport and Sean and I, my husband, we just look at each other and I could just tell both of us had this like like excitement in our eyes and like hope and and he was like, Do you really think we're pregnant? And I was like, I don't know. I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but I think we might. And so we had like 24 hours of just thinking, are we? I mean, just you had a whole week. Um <laughs> for 24 hours for me was plenty. I was like, this is so exciting. I just want to know. And the next morning I took a pregnancy test and I just kind of I don't even think I told him I was taking one just in case it was negative I wanted to kind of have some time and I I don't even think I told him I just took one and I walked out and I said hi can you help me read this I'm not sure what it says but I'm pretty sure it says we're pregnant and that was how I told him we were pregnant and he came over and he's so even killed he's so wonderful and so stable he was you know yeah and he goes okay let's take a look it says two lines for pregnant okay let's see those are those to me look like two clear lines I was like me too but I've never seen a positive pregnancy test so maybe it's not and he goes okay let's do another one and then we'll be sure and so it was so like (laughs) stable and so just our personalities and it kind of cracks me up thinking about it so that's oh my gosh I guess I said I'd be brief and I wasn't but that's kind (laughs) of how we found out I think that's so cute. And I, yes, I, I do know Sean and I can totally just see him coming in like with the paper, like yes. unfolding the paper and it's like, okay, let me look at this. Let me read all the details. Cause I feel like he's very like detail oriented and like very much just very pays much. attention to all of that. And then it's like, yes. okay, let's look at this. Let's look. I can totally see it. I love that. It was that. great. It was so in personality. It was, it was fun. Yeah. 
And yeah. now that you say it, mine was totally my personality too, because yeah. it's me like having that initial freak out session and then me like kind of going through like processing a little bit and having mm-hmm. time to myself to think about it before bringing my husband in who I knew would yeah. get very emotional and kind of like sure. wrapped up in it like as soon as we found out. And then, yeah, <laughs> that's that's exactly what happened. <laughs> when you first found out or first started having this feeling that you were pregnant, um, what were those initial emotions like for you or processing? We talked about identity just briefly so far, but what what was that like for you to have those feelings and start to feel that shift happen? So in all honesty and in all transparency, when I first had the thought that I could be pregnant and then then also going through the the pregnancy test and finding it out, it was hard. Those emotions were really hard for me because especially coming from my line of work, working in early intervention, I have seen so many kiddos that had pregnancies go wrong. Stories that are so emotional that, I mean, still to this day, like I will just start crying when I think about it. And, you know, we're talking about extreme prematurity. So little little kiddos that are born at 21 weeks, 23 weeks, like, I mean, so early on, we're also talking about kiddos that there might have been like medical malpractice that happened. And mm. now there's delays because of what happened when they were in the hospital during labor, or during birth. And I mean, just all of these things that I would see on a daily mm-hmm. basis. So going into thinking about getting pregnant, thinking about having kids for years, I had just put it on the back burner, even knowing that my husband wanted to have kids because that's what I saw all day. That's what I was faced with. And it really starts to take a toll on you as a person, especially as as a woman, as you get married and you get closer to childbearing age and have a husband that really wants to have kids or have a spouse that really wants to have kids. And so those beginning moments for me, those beginning days and weeks, and and even even still to this point, I mean, I've been an OT practitioner now for 12 plus years. I have all that experience and I can't just block it out of my mind. It has been extremely difficult to process mm-hmm. those emotions. But one of the things that I've really tried to do is just embrace them, not brush them aside, not brush them under a rug or anything like that, because they're there, they're real. So I try to embrace them and acknowledge that they're happening, but then don't let them completely paralyze me from moving forward and enjoying some of the good and and the joy and the excitement and everything else Mm -hmm. that kind of comes with being pregnant. But yeah, the, the beginning moments were incredibly hard for me. Yeah. And I appreciate your your honesty with that. I know in the episode where you announced your pregnancy, you were just so honest. And I think that's a perspective that we don't hear too often. And so I think it's probably so good for others who are maybe in your area of practice in particular or who have had secondhand experiences of pregnancies that have been particularly traumatic, maybe. I think it's probably really helpful to hear that, yes, we can be ex- we can be excited and joyful, and that can also coexist with other feelings and emotions, and they're all real, and they're all a big jumble, and they're all important to cope with, and they, they exist. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So same question to you. Like, what were you kind of thinking about in the beginning and adjusting to this new, this new identity of, of being a mom? What was kind of going through your head and and how did you process things? I think this really comes back to where it's so lovely how different we are in some ways and just how we have complementary experiences. I felt a sense of relief in a lot of ways. I have a handful of, of family members who have struggled with infertility and who have just 
pour their heart, soul, and bank account and the whole lives into being able to conceive their children and being on those journeys with them or even just seeing them at a distance. In addition to the fact that I have a few health conditions that sort of create a bit of like a perfect storm for potential infertility, it was such a relief to see that we could conceive. Not to say that we won't struggle with infertility in the future, but in this moment in time, we are not struggling with that. And it was just such a relief and such a warm feeling because I had really thought a lot about how I would cope if we couldn't have children. Of course, you never know how you're going to cope until you're really faced with that head on. But I just thought over the years so many times, you know, how much I wanted to be a mom and how that might not always look the way that I had always imagined it, you know, given some of my health history. And so I think in those early moments, you know, there's, of course, a lot of shifts and transitions in our occupations and all that. But as far as like an identity piece, I think I was just so, yeah, I keep saying it relieved, but so just happy and just grateful in that moment and continue to be that right now that's that infertility is not part of my journey and my husband's journey. And I'm just going to live in that right now because looking forward to any other future challenges isn't something that's going to be good for me or my family. So I'm just embracing this this time that we are given that we we're not expecting to be available to us so early. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. I think little baby A liked hearing that honesty from your point, because all of a sudden I just started getting lots of little <laughs> kicks and movements, Aww. like right when you got really vulnerable. And I was like, all right, yes. okay. I know I know it's good. Oh, <laughs> I feel the love, baby A. Right. <laughs> yeah. And actually, one thing that as you were talking, one thing that kind of popped into my head as well. And this happened very, very early on. And like, I remember thinking about it in the beginning. I remember thinking about it at our first ultrasound appointment, which I think for me was like week nine, but it still happens now. Thinking about the the magic of like how this actually happens and the chances of becoming pregnant and how things just have to like line up and be almost perfect for like the mm-hmm. chances for this to happen. And especially like, I mean, you were saying that you have some health conditions and I as well have some things that when I was first diagnosed years and years and years ago, the doctor was like, yeah, this could potentially make pregnancy a little bit harder. So knowing that and then all of a sudden just being like, oh, it happened. Like, wait a second. Like the magic of this like biology and physiology and all this kind of stuff. Like it's being an OT practitioner, I really value that side of it and like really kind of digging into the the more medical side of what's happening like in our bodies and all of that. Like it's yeah. it's really, really cool to kind of think about. So that too was also as I'm like processing all my other emotions, I'm also mm-hmm. like, this is really cool. Just just to think about in that aspect. As someone who, of course, is very interested in the sciences and I work in research and I love learning, you know, like you were just saying about kind of the nitty gritty of what it would take for any kind of physiological process, but then to to understand that even in more depth and understand, like you said, all the pieces that have to perfectly come together and all the time, everything, I mean, just has to act in perfect synchrony. And even though scientifically I know what happens, I still, like you said, you called it magic. I'd call it like a miracle. I still (laughs) think there's something just absolutely incredible about the fact that this is possible. And there's so many humans on the earth. Like this has worked so many times. It's it's incredible. (laughs) And um, it's just awe-inspiring when I stop to think about everything that had to go perfectly right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, you know, pregnancy is just so full of highs and lows and moments of just complete awe that we're sitting here talking and there's just a little human growing inside of each of us actually too. Yeah. We got there's four of us here. on this call right four. now. <laughs> this is such a group call, right? This is like the largest <laughs> interview I've ever done. Um, 
or been part of. <laughs> and it's such full of joy and excitement. And then there's also these things that kind of take us by surprise that are challenging and difficult. And I think sometimes, at least from my experience, I've heard one side or the other. And I rarely hear this blend of just like, it's all one big jumbled thing called pregnancy. And it's beautiful and it's hard and it's going to push us to our limits. And it's also going to just give us joy that we couldn't have imagined before. It's just it's everything. <laughs> yeah. And I also, I think a lot of what I've heard from friends and family members and people that I know that have been pregnant once or multiple times, like I feel like most, and maybe this is just what I chose to hear. I'm not sure. But like most of the time it's just like glamorized and everyone just talks mm. about all the good things that happen when you're pregnant. And then when I found out that I was pregnant and then started to experience some things, I was like, nobody told me about this. Nobody prepared me for X, Y, and Z to happen. And I'm like, does this like, is this normal? Does this just not happen to other people? Did they forget right. that this happened? And again, I think that's why you and I kind of coming together for this episode that we can share the good, we can share the happy, we can share the joy, but we can also kind of bring up some of these things that at least in my opinion, I feel like weren't talked about or haven't mm -hmm. been talked about, haven't been shared enough that I wish I kind of would have known going into this whole thing to like be prepared for some of these transitions, yeah. some of these occupational transitions that we've gone through, identity mm -hmm. shifts and, you know, everything yeah. that we're really going to be kind of talking about in this episode. When you were just sharing that, what in your mind came up as the most salient example of this, of something that you weren't necessarily expecting and that you had these thoughts of, is this normal? Is this supposed to happen? So I think the thing that comes to mind as one of the very first thing that stands out to me that is outside of what typically people talk about. I feel like when women get pregnant, the being repulsed by certain foods, certain smells, the energy, the, the sleep mm -hmm. disruption, like the nausea, I feel like that is talked about. But for me, one of the big things, and this, I mean, this happened very early on before I was really, I thought in my head, like before I was really showing, I remember going to put on a shirt and it didn't fit. And I remember having a slight moment of kind of a mental breakdown of like, wait a second. Like, I didn't think that my body had changed all that much because on the surface, it looked just like it always had been. But I put on a shirt that I would wear all the time. And I literally felt like I was kind of bulging out of it. And it didn't fit me anymore. And I remember just like sitting there and being like, wow, this is this is real. <laughs> this is real. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew I'm supposed to gain weight, right? Like, it's not that I didn't know that. But it was so early on. And the impact that it had kind of on my mental health right in that moment really stands out to me. And I like I kind of mentioned before, I, I took that moment, I embraced those feelings, because I had to. And then my kind of coping strategy that I did, I was like, all right, I took that shirt off. I went through my entire closet and anything that was roughly that same size or smaller, mm -hmm. I just removed it from, from my closet and from yeah. my life. And I put it in a box and I'm like, I'm not going to allow myself to go through that again. Like I'm mm -hmm. going to keep everything that's bigger. And I've actually gone through and done that multiple times throughout the pregnancy. When I know that I get to a certain point and things aren't going to fit, I'm like, nope, I'm just not even going to allow myself that negative feeling or that negative kind of concept of myself, even though gaining weight is such a normal part of pregnancy. But that impact that it had was just so it was so stark for me. And it really kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, it's so interesting because as you're saying, you know you're supposed to gain weight. You know your body's going to change and shift and organs are literally moving around and your rib cage is expanding and every part of you is bumping out in different directions. And it's just, you know, like, you know, it's supposed to happen. But when it's actually happening, you're right. I think especially when you're not like showing very much yet, 
because most people in our lives, unless we're very close with them, we probably don't know they're pregnant until a point at which they're announcing it. And everyone announces it at different times and all that. But frequently, you can kind of tell visually, I guess, visibly they're pregnant. But that whole time leading up to then, you're not necessarily always going to get a front row seat to that. And so to experience it for the first time and realize, okay, things are shifting, but is this the way they're supposed to be shifting? They say you're not really supposed to eat many more calories during the first trimester, but I was eating way more calories because I was hungry all the time, okay? (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) Yes. And I would, you know, read online, you're not supposed to really eat more than an an extra apple. I was like, well, first of all, I'm allergic to apples, so I'm not going to do that. And second of all, that's nothing. When I wasn't allergic to apples, I would eat one and be like, but where's the real meal? Like I wanted more food, right? (laughs) And so I kept thinking, is this crazy that I'm eating this much? The books are saying I'm not supposed to. Is the weight I'm gaining normal? They say I'm not really supposed to gain weight at the beginning, but clearly I am. And it's just you start to question all of it. And the clothing too, like you said. I mean, yeah, I've I've actually done the same thing. I've taken clothing, put it in one of those, you know, sealable suction bags. And I'm like, yep, this one's going out of sight until <laughs> at least a year because I don't want to have an expectation that a couple months postpartum I should fit into it. I'm just, we're going to pretend I don't own this and regroup later. Yeah, it's so crazy that they tell you what to expect, but when you're experiencing, it it feels so different than what you read. Mm -hmm. Completely, yeah. And actually going into that whole weight aspect, I do remember, and this was somewhere I would say between week 12 and like week 16, maybe maybe even Mm -hmm. like right smack dab in the middle, but I remember sitting there. Now, I gained a lot of weight in the very beginning of my pregnancy because mm-hmm. I I do have a thyroid issue that I've been on medication for, you know, right. since I was a teenager and what that kind of translated into was me gaining a lot of weight right in the beginning. But again, mm. I didn't notice it. Like the scale told me, but like I think it just it didn't all like pop into like one part of my body. So in my eyes, I didn't notice that I had gained that that much weight. But then I remember sitting back and being like I haven't gained much weight in like in a couple weeks. Like it had kind of plateaued. And I remember talking to my husband about it. I talked to my sister. My sister has two kids. I'm like, mm-hmm. is this normal? Like, should I still be gaining weight? Like, I just feel like I haven't gained anything since the last time I went to my doctor's appointment. And my sister gave me one of the best pieces of advice. And Miranda, I think I shared this with you early on in one of our conversations of like, if you're concerned, call your doctor. Like anything that you are potentially concerned about, worried about, anxious about, call your doctor, call your OB. That's what they're, that's what they're there for. So I called my OB, ended up talking to a nurse and she just kind of started asking me like, well, what are you eating? What's like, what's Mm -hmm. your daily routine? Like, like what's happening? And I shared with her like my diet, like, oh, I eat this for breakfast and this for lunch. And like, she literally just stopped me and she's like, you're good. Like, don't even worry about it. It's perfectly fine. And I'm like, I'm so glad that I made that call because otherwise, Mm Mm-hmm. It could have it could have gone for a week or two or however long yeah. with me worried that I wasn't gaining the weight. Right. And it was just like this relief of like, okay, nurse says I'm good. If I still have concerns, I can talk to my doctor at the next appointment or anything like that. But knowing that it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to have those thoughts of like, is this normal? Is this not normal? Right. Yeah. I think too, and, and I don't know if this is true for you, but if it's just my health prior to getting pregnant... I might wait longer to mm-hmm. ask a follow-up question. And you're nodding, so I have a feeling, yeah. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you're on the same page. And I, and Sarah, you know, I texted you knowing that you were pregnant a while back when I had some concerns. And I did end up calling the doctor's office, and they told me not to be particularly concerned, but they still let me come in and get an ultrasound to make sure that the baby was okay. And I was mm-hmm. so grateful that even though what I'm sure, like looking back, I will see as a very sort of 
benign issue, you know, just not a big deal. It happens at the time felt very real and very important. I couldn't focus on anything because I was so concerned. And so it's just interesting already feeling that role of mom. And maybe to back to one of your original questions, that also might be one of those moments that sticks out to me of feeling like if I don't get an answer, I won't be able to to sleep because I, I want to protect my baby. And right now there's nothing I can really do besides just ask questions. And that's about as much as I can do to protect my baby. And my husband wanted to help, but I mean, he really couldn't do anything. So it's like we're trying to be, you know, parents and we and we just care so deeply that everything's okay. And and just to one, just have doctors who were so open and willing to hear my concerns. And I'm sure they hear that from every new mom and dad and Every time they're like, I'm sure it's fine, but they were just so accepting and willing to just kind of entertain that thought for me and just reassure me. And so from that moment, I was like, good, we, we picked the right doctor because <laughs> I feel that they really heard me and cared about me and validated my concerns, even if they weren't medically significant. Personally, they were significant. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I love that you brought that up because I, I feel the same way with my OB and you know my team mm-hmm. and I remember going into that first appointment and literally pulling out a laundry list of all these questions that I had. And especially because being that you and I are both pregnant during this pandemic, our husbands have not been allowed to go to Mm -hmm. most of our doctor's appointments with us. So I'm bringing in my questions. I'm bringing in my husband's questions. And I'm literally like, I I think the the nurse practitioner that I saw at the first appointment was like, okay, so do you have any questions? Like as she's walking out the door and I like pull out my laundry list and she's like, (laughs) okay. Okay. She turns around and like sits back (laughs) down. And of course, like we talked for like another hour about it. And it was just random question, like little, little tiny, like you said, benign question that I had but like I had to ask it. And now it's gotten to the point with my OB that I'll be like, okay, so I have this question and I have a feeling you're going to tell me that it's normal, but I'm going to ask it anyway. (laughs) And she just kind of laughs at me and I'm like, yeah, so let me ask you this. And she's like, yep, yep, yep. You're totally right. Like it's normal. It's this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, okay, just had to ask that question. And just having that like piece of like knowing Mm -hmm. that it's normal. It's okay. And, and I felt, I felt empowered enough to ask the question and then be able to then like walk out of that appointment and be like, I don't have any more questions from my doctor at this moment, rather than sitting there like, should I ask this? I'm not going to, and then stewing on it for a week or two after that. So yeah, I think it's important to ask those questions and really get that peace of mind from having a supportive team that hears you, embraces your questions, and then reassures you that everything's okay. On our first appointment with the doctor, we had seen a nurse practitioner before then. First appointment with the doctor, you know, as you mentioned, during COVID, um, partners aren't allowed to come in to appointments. No family member is. And so we had Sean join over the phone. And I don't know. I'm really curious, people who listen to OT Uncorked, if they think I talk fast. I have been told repeatedly for my entire life that I talk too fast. So I'm assuming that I do. Now I'm trying to slow down, of course. We're in this appointment. My doctor talks like faster than me, I think. And so she and I were just ping-ponging back and forth, asking questions. He's on the phone, and I didn't even process it. I was like, oh, yeah, we're getting so much done. I just was like, boom, 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 boom. We're talking about all these things. And then afterwards, I was like, Sean, do you have any other questions? And he goes, well, I think I caught about a third of what you guys said. And I think, you know, I know we wrote down our questions ahead of time, so I have confidence that, Miranda, you have the answers, even if I couldn't understand what you were saying. <laughs> um, and we will message you if we have any other ones. And I just cracked up, and I was like, this is so funny. Without him being there, I wasn't even aware how quickly she and I were just ping-ponging back and forth. And 
so it it's like a work in progress of me learning how to slow down and and make sure that we can both be part of the sessions, even though it's definitely not what we've expected just because of COVID. Yeah. And honestly, I'd love to take a couple minutes now and kind of dive into some of the things that we've had to endure and go through because of the pandemic and because Mm. of the restrictions happening while we are pregnant. Because I know for me, this is not how I ever expected it to go. And even though I was hesitant to have kids in the beginning, I always had that thought of like, if if and when that day comes, like my husband's going to be a big part of it. He's going to go to every appointment that he yeah. possibly can. Like it's not an I thing. It's a we thing. It's we're a team and all this kind of stuff. And for a lot of what we've had to go through, it's it's us having to go to these appointments, having to take in the information, having to ask the questions and then remember everything and tell our spouses afterwards, which I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, ask me what you want to know. And hopefully that will remind me of what my doctor and I talked about because I'm like, I can't even remember what's going on right now. So maybe like, I'd love to kind of just talk about some of the difficult things that we've experienced, but also maybe some of the benefits too, that being pregnant during this pandemic has actually allowed us to have. I thankfully, I'm in a position where I actually am still working from home most of the time. And that means I get to wear yoga pants and sweatpants. I get to wear slippers when I get cold. And comfort early on in pregnancy is not something I really expected to want. You know, I again, I imagined that once you're showing, that's when things get uncomfortable. No, things get uncomfortable before you find out you're pregnant. And that's part of why you find out you're pregnant sometimes (laughs) is because you're like, why do I feel so weird? And so that has been lovely. Being able to work from home, again, not to make light of the situation, but it's just that is one positive, certainly that I get to work from home more flexibly and I can wear clothing that's comfortable because it is an, it's amazing how distracting it is to wear pants that are not elastic waistband right now. Even before I was really showing, as you mentioned before, things are just moving and changing and just to be able to be comfortable and not focus on my body changing necessarily or focus on my discomfort or comfort or what I'm wearing and whether it looks professional enough, whether it's comfortable enough. I just get to focus on my work and use my skills and feel empowered to do my best work and not be distracted by those things that are maybe less important. So that has been a huge plus for me. And I think kind of in that same vein, not just you and I, because I'm also fortunate to be able to work from home these days as well, but also having our spouses be able to work from home and having them be able to be a part of it as much as they can, even though it's not happening Mm -hmm. to their bodies, but being able to share how we feel, what we're going through, share all these emotions and share these experiences, (laughs) good and bad, with them, without them, you know, being away at the office all day. And I think... One of the big things that's kind of stood out for me of the the good, if you can say the good of what's come out of the pandemic, right. is that in the beginning, it made it a lot easier not having to tell people right away because mm. my husband and I, we had we had moved out of state away from my parents. My sister lives in a different state and you know, a lot of my friends were in, in a different state as well. And so I didn't feel like... I had the pressure to tell people right away because I wasn't Mm -hmm. seeing them face to face. It was mainly like all virtual, you know, from the shoulders up. So like they couldn't tell that anything was going on. So in a sense, like that was something good that kind of happened that Mm -hmm. I was able to wait until I really felt the time was right to share with my loved ones about Mm -hmm. what was going on. Yeah, that's so true. I also think having our spouses at home Working as well is nice because we've talked about how they can't come to appointments with us. 
And in so many ways, pregnancy is so, so much of the, and I say burden lightly because it's also such a joy. And again, I want to balance that. But a lot of the difficulties that come with being pregnant are things that no one can fix for us. It's just something you have to deal with and you put, you know, deal with it however you need to, but it's something you just have to do and and no one can fix it. And so when we have spouses who want to fix and they want to be involved and they're so excited that they're dads and they just want to really lean into that dad role. It's nice that I think working from home for both of us allows at least Sean to, to do that more. And especially at the beginning, you know, when I was you know, getting sick or, you know, when opening the refrigerator was the absolute worst thing because that smell, no matter if nothing's <laughs> gone bad, it's just the worst smell in the world when you're pregnant. You know, I could say, hey, Sean, I would love lunch, but that fridge is going to make me vomit. Could you please make me lunch? Or could you at least just get out the ingredients that I need? And so it's like little stuff like that where I really felt like I was able to lean on him a little bit more and and provide meaningful ways for him to just actively participate. And I think if we were at work, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to make me lunch. That's for sure. Or make sure <laughs> yeah. make sure I remember to drink water because apparently that's the thing I forgot to do sometimes. And, you know, I think it, it creates some new opportunities that have been really nice. So in reflecting about this kind of whole bizarre kind of weird time that we're in right now with the pandemic, with all the stay at home lockdowns, restrictions, all that kind of stuff, what's something that has been maybe not so positive being pregnant during this time that you feel like you've experienced? You know, I think going through so many big life events without being able to have the same level of connection and in-person encounters with loved ones. And I think we're all experiencing that, whether we're experiencing big life events or just daily life. We all, I think, to some extent are experiencing a lot of that disconnection. So I hesitate to say anything's universal in COVID, but I do think that's something that's widely experienced. Since quarantine started, I got married, moved, bought a house. I guess that was the same thing, kind of. Well, we moved my husband in with me, so that was like, I felt like that was my move, even though it wasn't. And then we bought a house and moved into that house. And then we got pregnant. And then there's a light at the end of the tunnel, maybe, but there's no direct end in sight. And so just to think that a lot of those interactions we would be able to have with our loved ones, to include them, to celebrate all these exciting events with them just haven't happened. And so I think overall, that's been kind of just challenging in, in COVID to just see that all these wonderful things are happening in life and also really tough stuff too. I mean, like we've lost people very close to us to COVID and to both my grandparents have died since COVID, not because of it, but just, you know, we've just gone through so much good and, and hard and just the fact that we don't get to you know, experience that with others in the same way, I think is the hardest part. But again, I don't know if that's really unique to pregnancy. I think it's just kind of the times. But I'd be curious to hear, you know, what your experience has been, if there's anything particularly more difficult because of COVID. I 100% relate with the, and the word that comes to mind is feeling more isolated. I've definitely felt more isolated because of the pandemic. And I also moved. So right. We have that, we have the move and we have the pregnancy <laughs> in common. Yeah. And moving away from, you know, people, friends and family that we care about and just not having that connection that we're used to that I want to mm -hmm. say quote unquote normal connection. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like what, yeah. whatever it was that before this pandemic started. So the isolation really has been a, a big thing that I've experienced. And I think the other thing that kind of comes to mind is I've definitely become a little bit more paranoid during the pandemic while mm -hmm. being pregnant. And not that I was not paranoid before, but kind of going back to the comment that you made that it's like, it's not just me anymore, right? It's yeah. me and this baby that's inside me. There's there's another life that I have to think about. And I can't just put my life in jeopardy because then I 
ultimately put my child's life in jeopardy as well. And I think especially like early on in my pregnancy and the middle of my pregnancy, because that would have been back in kind of the fall and the winter when the numbers like they were bad. And then they kind of got better, at least in my area. And then they got really, really, really bad again. And I just remember just having this sense of anxiousness because of what was happening in the world around me. And then also knowing like I'm bringing a child into the world and it's it puts me at a greater risk of potentially um, like contracting the disease and having complications because of being pregnant and, and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that that anxiousness, that hesitancy, the paranoia, like I'm not sure what the word is, but that has really impacted me. And that that I definitely think that's a, a direct influence because of the pandemic and also because of how how it was transmitting kind of around me in my area too. And knowing that when you're pregnant, your immune system is compromised, it, it just heightens that too. And and again, like you said, kind of like protecting our child and, and all of a sudden these decisions are not just about my safety. And could I if I were, you know, to be exposed to COVID, would I be okay? It's like, well, there's, I have no idea what would happen to my baby, you know? And and I've met couples who have d- had a baby during COVID, but who actually, the, the mom had COVID herself. And in one case, the baby's doing amazing. And there is no sign that COVID even affected this sweet little child at all. Like just rocking it. Another couple I know delivered er- super early, 24 weeks, 20. I mean, very early. I, I can't remember the exact um, week. And it, and it was touch and go for, for many, many weeks after that. And the mom had gotten COVID in that case as well. And so just there's so little known and the uncertainty is so difficult to cope with. And, you know, I've heard from moms who are, you know, my own mom and other moms who didn't have children during COVID, just they feel this way too <laughs> about all the other fears in the world. Mm-hmm. This is just a, another one and um, one that maybe we're, we're this cohort of... <laughs> I don't know how to word it, like this group, this generation of pregnant women are experiencing for the first time. I don't think it's a new feeling. It's just a new like stimulus for that feeling. And it's like just just as serious and just as difficult to cope with. Yeah. I think it's like the same thing of like being pregnant during a black wartime or during a famine or, you know, any sort of these like large life stressors, like they're all going to be slightly different, but they all Mm -hmm. kind of wrap up into these, these same emotions. And I think you nailed it when you said uncertainty, like there's Mm -hmm. just so much uncertainty about this time and about, you know, our changing bodies and what we're going through, but then also kind of what the world is going through. Yeah. So in kind of getting back to some of the positives that have actually come out during this time, and this is something that I can't relate to yet, but everyone would always warn me when you start showing, especially when you're like big enough, you'll be at the grocery store or out for a walk (laughs) and like random people will come up to you and like touch your belly and like start asking you questions about it. And that has not happened to me once because People are not getting close to strangers right now. We are socially distanced. And every time that I kind of go out in public, like I kind of I kind of giggle to myself of like, I wonder if there wasn't a pandemic, would I actually be experiencing what people had told me about? Or is this the new norm now? So it's kind of one of those things. It's, it's kind of funny and we can kind of laugh about it. And I'm like, yep. I, I have not had a stranger come up and try to rub my belly or ask how far along I am or anything like that. So it's kind of a positive. I feel like if if this was a movie, you'd be walking through the grocery store, like 
head raised high, confident with like, can't touch this playing in the background. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. and you're like oh yeah, it can't touch this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so happy that no one can get near you. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. I was just picturing that happening. So <laughs> Totally, <sighs> totally. <laughs> so, okay, Miranda, I think we got to dive in because being that you and I were both occupational therapists, we have this unique lens looking at occupations, looking at how occupations can be influenced, how they can be changed, how they can be adapted, modified, all the things, right? But I think we should really spend some time and talk about some of these occupations that we've gone through while Mm -hmm. being pregnant and how they've changed and really how they've affected us, whether it's our mental health or our energy or anything like that. So what comes to mind as an occupation that has a lot of meaning to you that has changed or that you've had to modify since being pregnant? I would say most of my occupations have changed in some way. And I think, again, kind of just going back to identity, I think for me, it really starts there in a lot of ways in not just identifying now as a mom, but identifying as someone who think you can relate to this as well, who's just constantly going, who has so many things happening, full schedule, full life. Um, And not to say full schedule as though that's some sort of achievement because it's really not. Um, But just to just feeling so full and being involved in so many different things and, you know, working and work in being in a PhD program and volunteering and being part of different community groups that are meaningful to me and trying to maintain a podcast, which I will say has become much more challenging for me since becoming pregnant. And I think just having that identity and then suddenly having all these symptoms that we've kind of talked about and some of the ones that are very common and expected, like just being so exhausted kind of in a way that I never experienced before, having these kind of mood swings where I am so unmotivated and don't want to do anything to then when, you know, the other night at 11 p.m. randomly I decided I was going to sketch out redesigning our bathroom and make a vision board. That was a surprise. Mine usually (laughs) happens at like three in the morning. I don't typically get it at night. Mine's like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, that's it. That is what I need to do today. (laughs) Right. It's frequently as I'm falling asleep and I'm like, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do anything. I just need to go to sleep. I'm like, why can't I fall asleep? And then all of a sudden I get all these ideas and it's like the least convenient timing because for context by that 11 p.m. like I'm in bed um, already. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like it's it's most of my occupations and they're disrupted in ways I didn't expect. You know, there's there's things I've heard of when you start to get physically bigger. And I think you you have some examples of that as well. You know, there's certain occupations that you can visibly see, okay, this person's doing it differently. They're needing to adapt. I expected some of that. I haven't had it yet, but I maybe it's just because I've seen you and, and other pregnant friends be a few steps ahead of me. But it's the things I didn't expect, like being able to focus on work and be getting messages on Slack, um, which is like the communication platform we use at work, while being on a Zoom call and I can't focus on both anymore. I can't mm-hmm. just quickly check that message. I will come back to the call that half a second later and completely forget what we're talking about and feel so just disengaged um, when all I want to do is just do my job well and, and be engaged. So yeah, it's 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 everything, and it, <laughs> which I'm sure is not encouraging to people who are not pregnant. <laughs> it's everything, but it's it's okay. And and I'm getting through. And people are super compassionate um, and and are helping me kind of do, make the best of it. So I guess that those are the things that stick out to me the most. It's a lot of like work and being able to focus. Mm-hmm. And I'm so big into multitasking and I've just had to reel that in a little bit and not expect that of myself anymore for at least the time being. And then we'll see what happens later. But for now, <laughs> multitasking is not something that's working for me. So those, those are the like, big things that stick out, like work, 
podcasting for sure. I don't know how many interviews I've done that haven't even come out yet where I say, can we pause for a second? I kind of forget what we were talking about. And it, it sounds so rude because it's, it sounds like I'm disengaged with the guest, but and you're nodding too, Sarah. It's so hard. I'm like, oh no, we were in the middle of something really good and I could not tell you where we were headed next. So... Yeah. <laughs> what about for you though? <laughs> oh yeah. Especially just on that in that same kind of podcasting note, especially like when you haven't told people yet and you're already starting to blank and you're like, yeah, I want to tell you that I'm pregnant, but like I haven't told my parents yet. Like I haven't told my friends. <laughs> like uh, so you're like sitting there and you're like trying to hold it together. And yeah, yeah. that was something very early on that I noticed that like my speaking mm-hmm. was so much harder like for me to come up with the words that I that I wanted to say not that I'm this super like elaborate speaker anyway but like they used to come to me or I'd like pause for a second and then I'd be able to go and now I'll just sit there and I'm like it's not coming to me all right like (laughs) hold on let's see if I can get it back if not I'm gonna just go somewhere else because I just can't get there so yeah, I definitely relate to that one. And also kind of in the in the same context with like work, I did choose to tell my employee very early on that I was pregnant because I didn't want her to be like, what is going on? Like Sarah's mm, usually really yeah. on top of things and she's forgetting things or like she's not responding or like yes. something just seems off. And I'm sure this was like completely all internal on my part, but I knew that I needed to tell her. So like, (laughs) hopefully she'd just give me a little bit of grace of like, yeah, if I seemed out of it, if we popped on like a Zoom meeting and like I looked like absolute crap, like she'd understand. So that was something like very early on that I chose that like I I have to tell her right around the same time that I'm telling like my parents and my best friends because she needs to know just in case I'm not at like my top peak performance that I'm typically at. And I think one of the biggest things, and and this is actually kind of funny because I asked this question to my husband kind of in, in preparing for this episode, and I wanted to see what stood out in his mind. And the first thing that I said before I told him was actually the very first thing that he said, and that Hmm. is working out. I'm an extremely active person and I am working out. I'm doing high intensity workouts like every day. I, even though I don't really call myself a runner, I would be running a few miles a couple Mm. times a week. Like I love just being physically active. And that was something that as soon as that first trimester, the the first trimester woes kind of hit me. I was done. I could barely like I could get from my bed to the couch, but there was no energy left to do anything else like besides like the work that I had to get done and eating and, you know, trying to just keep the nausea at bay and everything like that. But the working out piece has really been something that has been greatly impacted throughout the pregnancy for maybe I want to say maybe two months. I wasn't able to do anything, absolutely anything. Then I was slowly start, I was able to slowly kind of start to bring in some, some kind of like prenatal pregnancy workouts. And I'll mention it because I know we're going to talk about resources at the end. So I'll, I'll mention what that one is at the end. And then I was able to like slowly get back into it. But at that point, then I already had some of the restrictions of like not being able to be on your belly anymore and not being able to stay on your back for too long and not being able to do some of these different positions. So again, the the workouts kind of had to be modified. And then the biggest thing that happened was at 32 weeks, I underwent emergency surgery and ended up having appendicitis. 
And up until that point, I had gotten in this routine. I was walking like three to five miles every day. I was doing prenatal yoga. Like I felt quote unquote great (laughs) for being (laughs) pregnant. Yeah. And you know, this was completely unexpected. I went in after 24 hours of being in the hospital, not knowing what was going on, undergoing the surgery. And then on the recovery side, I mean, it just completely has set me back where I'm barely able to walk like a half a mile, three quarters of a mile. Yesterday was the first day that I was able to get back into my prenatal yoga routines. Wow. And so it's been this kind of like constant shift and constant modifying of my workouts and my ability to engage in this super meaningful and purposeful occupation throughout the entire pregnancy. And now it's like, I just have basically a month left and I know every day is going to get harder, but I'm like also trying to like get back to where I was, you know? So it's like this, just kind of this constant thing that's happening of like, I want to do more, but also embracing that I know that I'm not going to be able to do as much. Yeah. And kind of like what you're saying too, once you kind of get the hang of how to deal with a particular symptom or in your case, like how to adapt a workout, I feel like by the time you figure out what's going to work, you're progressed enough in your pregnancy. There's there's a change. Then then you have to adapt again. You yeah. find a new way again. Yep. And then you have this massive interruption that's scary. And you've talked about it on the show already. And yeah, your vulnerability with that was also incredible. Just was so unexpected and so big and just intrusive, you know, and, and you're having to deal with all these extra layers that you didn't expect. So many ways you needed to adapt repeatedly. And it sounds like you're still adapting, which is something we're great at, but it can be really tiring too, you know? Yeah. Thankful yeah. for the skills, but it's still difficult. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and honestly, some of the skills of being an occupational therapist have been so pivotal in my experience being pregnant and especially since the surgery because I went from being somewhat independent like I was not able to do everything before you know because I was 32 weeks at that point but then all of a sudden for a week or two I was not able to do pretty much anything because I wasn't really able to move I had a lot of like swelling and I I gained a lot of weight actually because of the surgery and Mm. the trauma that I went through So all of a sudden I went from like being able to do a lot of things myself to like the one thing that really stands out to me is like my bilateral motor coordination just like went out the window. Hmm. I was not able to use both hands together, especially if it like involved like my legs of like putting on shoes, putting on pants, putting on underwear, any sort of like lower body dressing, putting on lotion, anything like that. I couldn't physically get both hands together because a my belly was so big and b because of the pain wow and it's been it's been so interesting kind of having that occupational lens of like this is really hard and rather than like well I'm just not going to do it I'd sit there and be like how can I complete this task using one hand or asking for help if my husband was there or my mom came up for a week and was able to help out right after surgery but like certain things where I'm just like, okay, here's what I need to get done. Here's how I typically do it. I can't do it this way. Let me use some of my OT brain and see if I can come up with other strategies to adapt it where I can still do it myself or still mostly do it myself and then potentially have my husband help out either right in the beginning or right afterwards or something like that. But yeah, my my bilateral skills were greatly impacted because of my surgery. And I Wow. Still have some of it that that's impacting me today. Mm -hmm. And that's it's been three and a half weeks since my surgery. 
And then we just wait in another month. Things are going to change. <laughs> yeah. In another week. Again. <laughs> yeah. So Miranda, do you have any other occupations, occupational transition or changes that really kind of stand out to you during this time that you've had to adapt to? One thing that kind of stands out is, so, so I mentioned before that we bought a house. So we bought that house in November and then we found out we were pregnant in early January. So we actually probably got pregnant very shortly after buying the house. And we bought a house that was built in the 20s and has not been in the 1920s, to clarify. I guess we're in the 20s again. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's right. built in the a brand new house. <laughs> it's brand new. So easy. No, it's like the opposite of that. Um, it was built in the 1920s, hasn't been really renovated since the 1950s and 60s. We, uh, It's a duplex, so we are trying to renovate the second unit so that we can rent it out. And we're also trying to fix up our house. At first, our house was less of a priority. I don't really care if we live with old carpet. It's We've deep cleaned it, you know, things like that. Like I can live with the cosmetic things and some of the more structural issues we're dealing with. But our plan was to do so much of the work on the other unit that's going to be a rental ourselves. And my family flipped houses growing up. Sean has worked with his dad and he, you know, other friends who have like construction companies in the past. So we like getting hands on. We're not experts, but we felt like working with experts and doing some of the tasks that we were more familiar with ourselves, we'd be able to get this done. Well, around the holidays, we didn't really get much done around the house as we expected. So when we come back and immediately the first day we're back, find out that we're pregnant, that suddenly changes how I can be involved in this thing that we had been planning to do together. For so many months, we were looking for a fixer. We found that fixer. We were excited about making plans, excited to do a lot of the work ourselves. And suddenly being around old plaster and we don't think there's lead paint, but you can never be too sure with old houses and you find weird things in the walls. So just better to be to be safe. So I couldn't really be around the plaster dust, which means for the whole demo process, I helped at the beginning of the demo before we found out, as, before I actually think I even was pregnant, but mostly taking down the walls and stuff, I can't participate in. So my husband has gone in and done all of that himself, which just, I want to do that. You know, yep. it's fun. I want to be involved in demo. That's great. I love taking, <laughs> you know, like a hammer to the wall and, uh, and, and working <laughs> on this some kind of, of that stuff. frustration. <laughs> exactly. It's super fun. So I enjoyed that for the brief bit I could help with. And then even just being around other chemicals that are required for kind of construction work in general and the being aware of all the different fumes and different um, particles that are can, can be kind of airborne and can cause damage. Being aware of each of those things has really limited what I can do to help. And yeah, it's disappointing in some ways because again, it's something we had really been excited to do together. And now it's sort of like a, he works on it. And then once all the dust settles, literally, I can go in the next day and see what he did. And then I can do a lot of the design stuff, which is, I mean, way fun anyway. So I'm okay with that part. You know, my parents were out here and were able to help out with some of the projects that needed two hands. We just bought a new um, vanity for our bathroom. I picked it out. Thankfully at the store, they loaded it for me. I couldn't help unload it. I couldn't help bring it into the house. It's it's like little things like that, mm -hmm. but I love helping. I love being involved. Growing up, I always felt this need to like prove that I could help too and I can be, you know, useful and I can do what the guys are doing. And um, thankfully, I value that less now. I kind of just don't care as much about proving myself more so it's fun now, but it's still just yeah, it's just disappointing that I can't help. The whole time you're talking, even though my husband and I were not like renovating a place, there's been so many things that have popped up where it's like, hey, can you help me move this? Like my husband will say it and I'm like, no, no. Like, and yeah. <laughs> and honestly, 
Right. We got we got this dresser. We got it from our buy nothing group. And I was so excited because we were going to paint it together. And then, of course, find <laughs> out that I'm pregnant. And I'm like, yeah, well, I can't really be around the paint fumes right now. So like my husband has had to do some of the furniture stuff that mm-hmm. we've we've kind of accumulated and we wanted to redo. And there was one day he was like, hey, come help me with this. Well, we'll take it upstairs. And I like walked down and he wasn't around. He wasn't around the dresser at that moment. And I remember just kind of like just testing it out and I couldn't even like get it off the ground yeah so when he came back into the into the room I was like I can't help with this and I'm the same way that you were describing like I'm always that person that's like yeah I got this like Mm -hmm. I can do this I can do whatever the boys are doing like I I can lift (laughs) heavy things yeah and now I'm like can't yeah. do any of that and even like yeah. when it comes to like groceries at this point my husband will be like yes. well here's the bag of chips okay you take that up I'll take everything <laughs> else up because we live we live in this townhouse so there's like three sets of stairs okay and I get up to the top and I'm like I need to sit on the couch for just a second like going to the market is very mm. difficult for me and it, it it got to the point last weekend where he dropped me off at the front door he went and parked I got the cart and I started and then I, you know, we, we checked out and everything and I stood at that front door. He went to the car, unloaded the groceries and then came to pick me up because mm-hmm. again, this like this walking being on my feet for a long period of time. It's one of those things that I didn't think was going to be that difficult. And I feel really bad because I can't help out in those ways that I usually can. And like, <laughs> the week before going to the grocery store, I told my husband, like when we were leaving, I was like, just go ahead. You can start unloading. I'll make it to the car by the time that like, you've Aww. unloaded. And I, from the leaving the front of the market, g- getting to the car, I went into this like extreme bout of pain. I had like oh, tears no. in my eyes. Like these two, like these two lovely ladies walked by and they're like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm okay. My husband's just right up there. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But like, <laughs> oh my you don't goodness. think about the difficulty yeah. of just like walking around the grocery store and, and walking across the parking lot. So I get it. Like, I, I totally understand like wanting to help out and do these things and just being like, nope, like I either yeah. physically can't or like logistically, I can't put the child in danger and, and right. all that kind of stuff. And it's right. It's hard. So much to think about. So much that before would have just been, oh, yeah, let me help. Let me do this. You know, now we have to think about. It's kind of funny to me you bring up the supermarket because I, you know, I I feel like I gamify everything in life. It cracks me up whenever I reflect on something and realize that I made a game out of yet another thing. It's just the best way to live life. It's so fun. I always make a game out of if I can carry all the groceries in at once from the car. And it doesn't matter. It does not matter that our current house, it's maybe 50 feet from my car to the kitchen. And it's like two steps. I mean, it is not out of difficulty that I want to get this done in one trip. I just think it's so fun to see if I can carry everything and balance all the bags. I can't obviously do that anymore. And it's it's so <laughs> fine. It's fine. Like, you know, if I go, if I'm the one who does the grocery shopping, Sean will like see my car pull up and he'll come out immediately and help. It's not a big deal. It's like, not a big deal at all that I can't carry it all. But it's like the little fun things. So I'm like, okay, I need to just follow the rules and ask for help and not do this and not reach up to the highest shelf, like get out a step stool or have him do it. And it's just, it's funny. It's little things that don't matter, but they're just notable in my life. <laughs> they are. And, and, and I also think that just like ties back into kind of our occupational therapy training that we pick right. up on these little things that they mm-hmm. might not seem like a big deal, but they have some sort of meaning in our life and they have some sort of purpose in our life. And to not acknowledge it really 
doesn't do it justice where you have to kind of embrace those thoughts and be like, all right, I can't do it right now, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be able to do it, you know, once, Mm -hmm. (laughs) once the baby comes out and once you kind of get back to the the new you, (laughs) the new normal of you. But yeah, no, I, I completely understand that. Like there's just, there's a lot of little things that people don't talk about. And while they're not all bad, it's just something to be aware of, something to be mindful of. And honestly, in a lot of these cases, it's something to kind of laugh at, especially as occupational therapists. We see that the occupations that are often perceived as mundane and we see these these activities that other people might see as mundane and wouldn't think twice about. And we see the intricacies and just the the depth and how our roles and our identities influence them and how our the way we're physically feeling and even just knowing we're pregnant, how that influences our decision making. And it's it's fun to think about and we can laugh and we can embrace it and enjoy the fact that we are seeing these little mundane things become so noteworthy in our lives. And, other, you know, in some cases, those can be really traumatic to notice in, in other cases. Currently, they're just funny for me and that's great. So I'm going to lean into that and enjoy the fact that I get this little lens that not everybody's necessarily going to be looking through. And I think that just like directly ties to any sort of clinical work and working with our clients mm-hmm. and understanding that they might come to us and say, I can't do this skill anymore. I can't do Mm -hmm. this activity. I can't do this occupation or a portion of it. And while, you know, if you're a practitioner that maybe hasn't experienced any difficulty going through an occupation or anything like that, you might sit there and think like, yeah, this is just kind of trivial. This is this is nothing nothing to blink at. But then all of a sudden, like I think you and I going through kind of being pregnant and being able to have some of this humor of like we mm-hmm. can't we can't carry all the groceries in one trip anymore. <laughs> it seems silly, but we really have to recognize that these little things for our clients can be huge and pivotal yeah. things within their life and really bringing in that mindset of like It might not seem like a big deal to you or to me, but to the client, it could Mm -hmm. be a huge deal. And people could be listening to this conversation and being like, well, that's silly. You want to carry all your groceries in, in, you know, in one swoop. But like for (laughs) you, like that's a big thing, right? And that's, that really is the whole meaning behind occupational therapy and, and being client centered and doing the best that we possibly can for our clients. So I think this has really given me a unique lens in, in just reflecting about occupations and occupational transitions and adapting and modifying both being pregnant, but also just kind of like with that general lens. Mm-hmm. And then I had another point that I was going to say. <laughs> but then pregnancy brain happened. And also... Which oh I know, can we see that? It's the, that is so crazy how quickly pregnancy brain happens. I <sighs> heard about gone. it. I always thought it was like the same as being tired. I was like, oh yeah, you're, you're tired. No, it's so different. So yeah, that's something else that really surprised me. It's like a, it's like a cute phrase, like, oh, pregnancy brain. But it's crazy how quickly it gets to you. And there's like, there's a physiological underpinning, undertone of like what actually happens in the brain. Like I was reading about it and it's, it's crazy. Like it's like, it's legit. It's not just being tired. Like there are things happening at a cellular level that impact you and impact your brain. So I don't know if I'm going to get back to what my other point was, but (laughs) it's okay. It's okay. It's a journey. (laughs) 
One other thing that now we're bouncing all over because now my pregnancy brain is kicking in. We've been talking for just long enough that the focus is is leaving me. But we're talking about some of those occupations. And I mentioned the renovation that we we're doing and how our focus was just to work on the other unit. And then um, eventually we would worry about ours. Well, now that we're having a baby, some things matter more. Before, having very outdated electrical wasn't mm-hmm. actually really too much of like a safety hazard. It was just more so something we knew we should address moving forward. Now we look at the outlets that are within reaching distance of a very tiny human and we say, oh no, (laughs) that needs to be gone (laughs) because that would be really bad. So now we're actually moving up our own renovation. We're not even done with the rental unit. We're taking down all the walls in our living room, dining room, and our guest room slash office slash nursery because when you live in LA, that's the thing when you have one room that's many purposes. I guess when you live in other cities as well. And so now we're having to redo like our entire (laughs) house to get the electrical up to date and their plaster walls. So to really get into the walls and fix everything, it just makes sense to take them down and replace them with drywall. So we're doing all of that. But again, I think I can't really help that much. So it'll be really interesting to see how that, how that goes, but we have to do it now because there's just you know, again, it's like to protect our baby, but then also to protect our baby, I can't be around the plaster dust. So (laughs) it's a really interesting uh, issue that we're working through. But yeah, one more, one more thing where like plans change. It's a little comical and we're going to find a way to work through it. And we're just grateful that we're able to afford renovations, you know, at the drop of a hat that we need to get them done. And I know that's not the case for everybody. So, you know, don't want to take that for granted, but I can still laugh a little bit at the circumstances of kind of how we thought things would go and then how things have gone very differently for better or for worse. So <laughs> what life actually throws at you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and, and it's so funny too, because they, they kept saying, oh, this exhaustion you're feeling in your first trimester, don't worry. Second trimester, it's going to go away. You are going to feel this surge of energy. And I don't know why, I don't know if I created this thought in my mind, but I pictured like a super mom, like you know what I'm talking about when you see a mom and you're like, I don't know how you're doing all that, but I applaud you. Yeah. I just assumed that's what they meant by a surge of energy, like surge. It sounds so electric and just so active. I got to tell you, it's not a surge for me. It's been more of like a steady. No, it's not steady at all, actually. It's like a slight increase in energy to the point where it basically means that I'm not in bed by 8.30 and I might not need a nap midday to get through the rest of my day. So it's less of a surge and more of like, just slightly better. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, I don't know how to like, like, I just want to like de-glamorize that a little bit. It's good. It's good to have a little bit of energy back. It's good to be able to have a conversation with someone. And for the most part, we've kept track of what we're talking about, like for the most part, which is such an achievement. <laughs> like, I feel like this is such a win that we're, we've kept on for the most part, the I same know. topic of pregnancy. And that is not I what I pictured. what I was going to say too. So oh, okay, I want to hear it. But that is like not what I pictured to be like this like super mom surge that I'd created in my mind. Yeah. So again, it's comical to be like, oh, this is the surge. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> oh, hands down. Like I remember reading that and being like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And then like every day into the second trimester, I'm like, is today the day that I'm going to feel better? <laughs> no. Is today the day? And it's like no. literally like little tiny increments where you feel a little bit better and then you kind of feel crappy again and you feel a little bit better. Right. Well, let me warn you, Miranda, third trimester comes around <laughs> and a lot of those, mm. a lot of those first trimester things come back, at least in my experience. And I'm like, had little bouts of nausea. The exhaustion comes back, like definitely napping after this podcast episode. And- <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just they're, they're, oh, it, it returns a little bit. So embrace where you are right now. And it's funny because like I was having this conversation with my husband and he was like, you weren't happy in your second trimester. I'm like, I know, but if I could go back to that right now, I'd feel so much better <laughs> than being in the third. And he's like, the grass uh-huh. is always greener. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, but man. Going back to my before my yes. pregnancy brain fog yes. <laughs> completely took this away. But what I was what I was saying is the realization, kind of the, the recognition of the occupational adaptations and transitions from being pregnant is not just for being pregnant and the recognition and the reflections that I've had about occupational transitions and adaptations don't only apply to just kind of thinking about working with clients kind of in general. But Mm -hmm. being that I'm a pediatric therapist and that I work in early intervention, I now have this new mindset, this new compassion, and this new understanding for my client's parents that might also be pregnant and what they're going through. And I think probably, you know, I don't have any experiences that stand out, but I'm sure in the past it was just like me asking them to do so much and me expecting so much out of them because I didn't realize what being pregnant entailed. And now (laughs) that I know that, oh, if I could just go back and and, and hold that mom's hand or, you know, like yeah. do something to let her know, like, I understand what you're going through. I just have this, this other side of knowing, at least based on my own experience, what it is like to be pregnant. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, ha- it's, it's influenced me in, in multiple different ways and not just like overall practice, but then also very specific to being pregnant. Yeah, I don't have an example with clients because typically I work with, well, I typically work with people who have had strokes and oftentimes that is sort of like older folks. Not all the time. I've worked with younger folks who've had strokes as well, but I have have an example just from my own personal life. I remember when my sister was pregnant four years ago and I lived about an hour from her at the time and she said, hey, do you want to come down for the day and um, help me set up the nursery? And I thought, oh, that's going to be so much fun, of course. And she's so good at like design and stuff. So I knew everything was going to be just perfect. And I was just going to be like hanging things on the wall. I was just, but it was going to be like, just, it was going to be gorgeous. I show up and we worked for like a couple minutes. It felt like, I mean, we just, we weren't working for very long. And she's like, well, why don't we just like watch a movie or why don't we go sit on the couch or have a snack or something? And it's like, okay, we can do that. And then that like lasted longer than we had been working before. And I just thought, I'm here. Let's like use this time. Like, let me help you. Let me help you move stuff and set things up. Why don't you want to work on this stuff? Why are we just like, hanging out. Not that that's a bad thing, but I just was like, I came here to help. (laughs) And I didn't feel like I was being helpful. And it just like kind of made no sense to me, but I I went with it. I thought, whatever. I didn't understand that as a pregnant person, she probably had like reached her max of like doing things that were like on her feet and active. And then my parents were out here helping us out a couple weeks back. And my mom, had so much energy to help. She was like, she did all of our laundry. Like she like cleaned everything. She did, she did so much to be helpful. She went grocery shopping for me, everything. And I just at some point was like, mom, like we, like, I can't, I'm shutting down mentally right now. Like I can't do anymore. I need to just stop. And of course she's had three kids. So she, she understood to some extent, but so I think she kind of forgot like the real feeling of that. So I was like, nope, we're done. You're being so helpful. I so appreciate it. But like I am capped out. And then I thought back to what I must have made my sister feel like when I kept being like, we can do more. Let me help. Um, and so it's just funny, you know, even in our personal lives of how now we realize how to maybe better support people who are pregnant. But also if folks are working with individuals who are pregnant or like young moms or young parents in general, I think now we have like a new layer of compassion of like yep. what what should we expect from ourselves and and from them and mm-hmm. the, I think the answer is not we don't expect anything in particular 
<laughs> we just ask them what they actually need and then we try to listen, I think is probably the best answer. And I think also too, not just them being potentially our clients, but also if they are the caregivers of our clients too, right. and having the understanding of what the caregiver is going through being pregnant, and then also having mm-hmm. to take care of potentially a child, if it's in my case, or a young adult, right. or you know, an older adult, or anything like that. Yeah. So I think there's just there's a lot of things to be kind of cognizant about, and a lot of things that both you and I have learned and maybe even like we knew, but it's kind of been brought to the forefront even more for us where we're just like, oh yeah, we really need to pay more attention to that or be more mindful about that given everything that we've kind of gone through and will continue to go through (laughs) into into motherhood. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think we yeah, just continue to grow in empathy and compassion the more life experience we have. And this is just another way that we are developing those skills and, and emotions. So I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears a little bit because I have a question. Yeah. yeah. Since you were in the home stretch, kind of, right? Do you feel like you're in the home stretch? Is oh, that I'm in, I'm in the home stretch. I you're ready. Am, well, my, <laughs> my due date was technically a month from Monday. So two days ago mm-hmm. from the time of this recording. But my like I it's actually I'm due on a Wednesday so it's mm-hmm. it's a month like technically from today okay. it's the home stretch <laughs> at least I'm telling myself that <laughs> in this home stretch what are the things you're most looking forward to occupationally I guess after the baby's born so it can be anything to do with the baby or just things like things you miss eating or things you miss doing that we've talked about that you know being pregnant kind of limits participation I think for me personally, I'm most excited about getting back to my workouts and getting back because mm, again, that yeah. that is one thing that that's me time. That's yeah. when I feel most like myself. That's when I get to put on a podcast or two and listen to it and tune out the world and, and do my thing. And I know I'm not going to be able to tune out the world when I have a baby, but even in <laughs> somehow kind of bringing in the baby and and incorporating the baby as part of the workout and, you know, doing some fun things like that. Like, I'm really excited about that. And (laughs) I mean, I'm laughing because again, these are so trivial, but I'm excited to have a like turkey cold cut sandwich. I'm excited to have sushi. I'm excited to have runny eggs again, (laughs) which if you don't like runny eggs, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh no, I miss them so every time I make eggs and I pop the yolk, like a little part of me gets very sad. (laughs) Yes. And like, like, I've kind of like resorted to putting cheese on it. So like the cheese melts. So I kind of feel like it's like the yolk running, but it's, it's, I know it's not not the same, but it's good. And another thing, and I I know you're going to relate to this one, is getting back to having a beer and enjoying going to a brewery and the social participation of being with friends and family and and hanging out and enjoying some sort of like alcoholic beverage. So Mm -hmm. those, yeah, those are my, those are my big things personally that I'm like the most excited about getting back to. Yes. Oh my goodness. Other than the workout, I need to I know I need to work out and sometimes I enjoy it, but it's not something that until I'm actually doing it, I I desire. So that's a thing. Other than that, though, everything else you said, especially the food stuff, because dippy eggs are the best. Oh, so good. <laughs> I would love just like a rare steak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <forgot> about that. <laughs> like a good glass of wine. But it's so funny. I obviously love wine, OT Uncorked. You know, I review a wine every episode. Didn't ask you what you were drinking today because unless you're drinking a certain flavor of water, I didn't think it'd be particularly interesting. Nope. 
it's water flavored water. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm having too. I think I have coconut mango or something in the fridge. That's that's good, but it's it's water, so I just kind of roll with the the plain Jane kind of water. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah, but it's so funny. Even though I love wine, I mostly just crave like the social experience, like opening up a bottle of wine together and just you know, I, I just love that. But beer has been seeming so much more appealing. I'm like, oh, once the baby's born, I think I want a beer. So funny, right? Yeah. I was not expecting that. Like I, I was yeah. expecting wine all the way and you had that bottle picked out that's like sitting on the shelf like, all right, when the day comes. <laughs> no, but I, I, it's actually the beer picked out. We were, we were at the grocery store the other day and we were grabbing something and my husband wanted a beer. So we got this like Icelandic white ale or something. Oh, yeah. Einstock. It's good. Did it have a picture of a Viking on it? Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, it smells incredible. <laughs> Whenever he'll open one, I'm like, can I just like smell it? Which is so weird. Um, and I'm like, oh, just smell it. Smell it's like cardamom and mm-hmm. what's the what's the other? Is it like citrusy? Something? I can't remember now. I think you're All right. Was, yeah, it smells so good. And I was like, wow, weird that I want a beer when the baby's born. So that's just a little aside, but I do miss <laughs> the social aspect of that too. You know, it's just so fun to get together with people at a brewery or a winery, and hopefully that'll be opening up soon so we can actually do that once the babies are born. But. Yeah, it's and a actually, little stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that that's actually kind of a good point. Like, kind of going back to the whole pandemic talk of like a lot of the breweries and wineries have been shut down for us in, in both of our areas. So in a way, it's made it easier because I don't really have that FOMO of like other people are out there and like our friends are inviting us and we can't go. Right. And so it has made it easier. But we literally live like two houses down from a brewery, and the good thing is it's it's basically been shut down since we moved. Yeah. But the other day they opened up and it was this beautiful day. And I was just like, I want to sit and watch the sunset and have a beer and oh. <laughs> just just hang out. And then, yep. of course, I get this reminder of like, no, you're really uncomfortable. You need to go home and sit on the couch. And I'm like, all right, not okay. yet. <laughs> Later. Yeah. Is there anything else you're excited about? As far as actually baby related things, like new things, not not like we've mostly talked about like going back to other things that we really like. I am really excited to see my husband hold our baby. When he holds like our nieces or whatever, he's just he's so handsome, you know? Like I just love it. I I think it's just always looked right on him, if that makes sense. And I'm just so excited because I think he's going to have like a facial expression that I I've never seen before and I haven't been able to feel him kick yet. I we're still just at that stage where some people are feeling kicking and some people aren't. I haven't felt movement yet. Just wait. I, oh yeah, I know. Tonight, everyone's, tonight. Like, everyone's like, you're fine and enjoy it while you while you can. But you know, I know that throughout this pregnancy, I'll be able to just really feel and just have this very intimate relationship with our son before in in a different way, I think, than he will. And so I'm so excited to just have him like be the first one to hold the baby and just like see his face because Oh, it's going to be crazy. And I'm just so excited. So yeah, that's the only thing I'm looking forward to. How about you? I'm glad that you made that comment because I think, and again, this is this is purely my experience and kind of my reflection on what's happened. But I think for the men in our lives, it's real, but there's still this layer of like disconnect because it's not happening to their body. They can still eat and drink and work out and, and do whatever it is. <laughs> like their lives have changed but they haven't changed as much as yours and mine have and anybody else that is pregnant right now or has been pregnant. And I really think that that first moment of like when my husband Ray gets to hold our child, I think it's going to just have this huge like influence on like what is actually happening because I think it's going to become 
100% real. Like he can see that I'm changing. He's felt the kicks. Like he oh. he's seen on the ultrasound. Like conceptually it's there. Mm-hmm. But I think once this child is like, like it's hard to say like in the world. I mean, it's in the world, but like in the outside yeah. world, I guess. I think there's just going to be this different understanding of like, oh, yeah, okay, this like this is legit mm-hmm. real now. It's not just like something that you've been like going through for the past 9 months. So, yeah, yeah I I guess I would agree. I'd have to say that I'm excited to see that too and like really just kind of have that like family dynamic really just like form right at that moment mm-hmm. even though it already has but you know like there's right. a there's a it's separate layer shift. there yeah. mm-hmm. it's gonna be a different family dynamic yes <laughs> exciting it's so exciting and we we have really good spouses so we uh we're very lucky we've got got a good team behind us <laughs> we do and uh, it's gonna be exciting to see all that come together i know it's gonna be yeah. worth all the things that maybe we didn't make sound so pleasant right. about pregnancy it, hopefully yes. in our honesty we didn't scare anyone away who would <laughs> like to have children I, yeah. I can already tell it'll be worth it <laughs> oh yes and just remember to just embrace things and and take it with a side of humor and I mean I need to take my own advice because my husband and I we were laughing about something well I should say he was laughing about something <laughs> that I said today and I literally was like it's not funny and you need to not make fun of everything that I say. So here I am being like, take it with humor and take it with an ounce of joy. I need to take my own advice at well, this and, moment. And another piece of advice would be, you know, take each moment as it comes. And so for you, this moment's humor and that moment wasn't, and that's okay. <laughs> yes. There are things when they start to happen and you're like, this is mortifying and you're not ready to uh, make a joke, make light of it in that moment. Right. But then once you kind of get past it, you have time to process it, you process it. You're like, all right. All right. Okay. It is funny. I get it. Yeah. It is funny. <laughs> so Sarah, you're a l- further, I-, I was gonna say a little bit, you're quite a bit further along than me on this journey. And so I know along the way we've sort of picked up these little hacks. Some are things that are recommended by others and some we have to figure out on our own. And so for anyone listening who's in need of some of those hacks and maybe wants some advice as opposed to figuring them out for themselves, what are some of the things you've found most helpful with your occupations and all this transition that's been going on? So some of my favorite hacks that kind of come to mind, the first one that I knew I was going to get to a point that I was going to need it, but at the point that I actually decided to buy one, in my mind, I thought it was still too early and I kept trying to like push it later and later. But again, being that I'm such an active person and love going for long walks on the beach or anything like that. But I... I was getting to the point where my baby, little baby A, is very low in in its position. And by the end, I'd say by the middle to the end of my walks, I was in so much pain because of gravity and just that low, that low position. And I remember like talking to my mom one day and just being like, I know there's things called belly bands, but I feel like I'm just too early right now. Like mm-hmm. I still really wasn't showing much. And I'm like, it just seems like kind of overkill. And finally, like after after mentioning this to my mom a couple of times, she's like, why don't we just get one and just try mm-hmm. it? And that was huge. And it was one of those things that like immediately I was able to go on those walks and have less pain, less discomfort, and actually make it through the entire you know, five mile walk and get home and be like, 
I feel okay. I'm not like rushing to the couch or rushing to get my feet up. So belly bands have been huge. And I would add the caveat of like, if you feel like it could help, try it out. Don't think that you have to wait till a certain point in your pregnancy in order for it to be okay for you to do that. Another thing, and this was like completely unintentional, but I had gotten a pair of shoes and they're they're actually like adaptive shoes and it, it's from a company it's from a company called Friendly Shoes and I I think actually I got them early on in my pregnancy but more just cuz I liked them and I liked the style and those shoes are the only shoes that I can wear right now because I can put them on with one hand and I it's just like this one like zipper that comes comes almost like completely off you can just slip your foot right in and zip it up with one hand and like tying laces are really again going back to that like bilateral piece like I just can't do it and I did have my husband lacing up my shoes for a portion of time but like I want to be independent and I want to be able to put my own shoes on right now and especially going through the surgery and recovery and all of that like these shoes have just been absolutely amazing that I can continue to put them on by myself and then the last it's funny like everything is kind of like lower body here as I'm thinking about these hacks. But the other thing that I recently got to, I want to say about two weeks ago, I ended up getting compression socks and I consulted with my good friend, Amelia. She's the lymph therapist on Instagram. And I was talking with her because she's like big into compression garments and all this kind of stuff. And I was telling her like, hey, my feet are starting to swell, like my ankles are hurting and yada, yada. Like, do you think I should get compression socks? And she was just like, yes, like, don't even think about it. Just get it. And those have also been a complete game changer. And that has been so nice to not like go to bed with like super swollen and super sore feet. So those I'd say Sounds like good. come into mind, top of mind right now of my favorite hacks. So what about you? Going on the trend of things that we wear, you talked about um, the belly band and the compression socks and the friendly shoes. And I would just continue that by adding maternity clothes to that list. As you mentioned, kind of in the beginning when you put on that shirt and you're like, why doesn't this fit? This should fit. you know. And it's sort of that mental battle of your body changing, but not the way you expected it to. Maternity clothes are a great solution. <laughs> People recommended to me to start wearing maternity clothes early on. I felt really silly because I wasn't really showing. I mean, I could tell I was growing, but the average person wouldn't wouldn't be able to tell. And so I started wearing maternity clothes anyway. My sister-in-law had given me a bunch because she just had a baby in August. And then some other friends are, that are pregnant as well and um, just had babies were, were lending me things. So I just embraced it. I wear maternity clothes frequently now and so much more comfortable. They're just meant to fit all parts of your body that are changing. And that's so great. And on top of that, somebody, I think it was my mom. Moms are great. I think she recommended I start getting uh, like nursing bras. Mm. I think a few people recommended it because I've, I've read online too, that like maternity bras only really serve a short time period and nursing bras are kind of similar, just added features. So anyway, I think, so I've been wearing more like nursing bras, which I feel ridiculous about, but they're so comfortable and I highly recommend I laugh whenever I put them on because it feels ridiculous, but then I don't think about it the rest of the day because I'm comfortable. Yep. So all in all, like wearing maternity clothes, really leaning into that early and being okay with the fact that one, you might feel like they're not meant for your size yet. <laughs> um, and two, maybe just, yeah, just kind of feeling uncomfortable wearing larger clothing that maybe you're not typically going to wear. But I'll tell you what, it's made me way more comfortable and I can focus on the things that I care about more. 
So I'm very happy about that. 100% agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just so much more comfortable. I, I was mm-hmm. very surprised. I'm glad I took that advice early. And the other thing I was going to say is um, some sort of like pregnancy pillow. So a while back, I think it was like six years ago now, I had abdominal surgery and I my mom had said, oh, I have this pregnancy pillow that you can use to sleep since I see kind of similar restrictions as pregnancy. Like it's really uncomfortable to sleep in pretty much every position when you have surgery or when you're pregnant, you you know, from both. <laughs> um, yes, <I> do. <laughs> you got a double whammy at once. <laughs> uh, thankfully, mine were separate. And so my mom had let me this pregnancy pillow and I know they make different types, but this one was like two large, like oval puffs with like a little sling in the middle and they're set they're separable with velcro so you can use just one side or the other or together and you kind of like lay in the sling or like lay sideways in the sling and it supports you so that if you start to roll on your back it kind of stops you and if you roll on your belly it stops you which is great because i'm a i'm a stomach sleeper uh normally and you can't do that it's very uncomfortable very early yes <laughs> so anyway i thought about ordering one but i knew my parents were, were going to stay with us for a bit and i said mom i want your pregnancy pillow so it's like from the 80s i'm pretty sure and it don't worry it's like washable it's good so it's okay that it's from the 80s and it's uh it's been lovely yeah just being a little more comfortable sleeping even before i started to really show much at all um just knowing that it was uncomfortable to sleep in the normal positions that i would sleep in it's just a great support and so that's another thing i didn't anticipate using until much later mm-hmm. but i'm really glad i, I just embraced it and started using it now because sleep is something I value very highly. (laughs) It's my favorite occupation. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You'll sleep eventually, maybe. Yeah, eventually. (laughs) Yeah. And and also too, like I want to throw this out there, especially with the pillows, because although in the beginning I didn't have like a very specific pregnancy pillow, but I remember reading because of course I was doing all the research and I remember reading like, oh, pillows, like pillows between your legs and pillows on your back, like this will help you sleep. Mm -hmm. And I implemented that like really early on, like within the first trimester and actually noticed that it inhibited my sleep because that's not what I was used to. And I wasn't to the uncomfortable point yet that I needed it. But I'm like researching, like everybody says you should start sleeping with these pillows. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it out. And so I did. And then I'm like, that actually didn't work for me. But when it came time that I needed that pregnancy pillow, oh yeah. Like, I mean, it was, (laughs) I was all in and I've been using it ever since too. So like even things that we're talking about, if you feel like you try it and it doesn't work, doesn't mean that it's not going to work like the whole time. It just might mean you don't need it quite at that moment. You might need it a little later. Maybe you won't need it at all. So keep that in mind that like, the hacks that work for us might not necessarily work for you or might, or maybe didn't work for you if you've already been pregnant and had a child. It's a great point. And I think there's so many pregnancy resources out there. There's an abundance and it's so good to read some of it because you can learn from other people's experiences and expertise. But at the same time, you have to find a balance that works for you of reading because there is such a thing as doing too much research and there's um, such a thing as just being overwhelmed or or being distraught when the common advice doesn't work for you, kind of like what you're saying. Um, and so I think each person has to kind of know where's their balance of where, at what point is it unhealthy to continue researching and figuring out what are the voices I value the most and really leaning into those because I'll tell you there's a lot of people with very specific opinions online and that opinion if it works for them I am so glad it might not work for most people and so it's okay to to not take their advice it's okay to say that's not for me and I just know that intuitively and I don't need to try that advice it's okay to not read every blog you can pick and choose who you listen to it's you and your child and your family and you just have to sift through the resources and decide what you need and what you don't need so we've been talking about some hacks and some things that we have found really useful but as we said 
not everything's going to work for everyone and we have to pick and choose. So let's give our listeners a whole range of resources that they can pick and choose from to decide what's best for them. And I know on OT Uncorked, I typically ask for a book recommendation, but I think there's so many other valuable resources out there that are not books. So let's just open it up and talk about podcasts, blogs, videos, accounts, people that we have found really helpful. So do you want to kind of kick us off with some of your favorite resources? Well, of course. And I think even when I was on your show, Miranda, I was going to say a couple, many episodes back at this point, I think I even said, like, I don't tend to read books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And so one of one of the podcasts that I really want to give a big shout out to in regards to motherhood and being a mama and discussing some of these, you know, behind the scenes and discussing some of these, some of the things that just aren't discussed very much within pregnancy and the motherhood space. But Mm -hmm. I want to give a shout out to the What About the Mama podcast with Karina, because I think that that podcast is a great show that really dives into a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. So that would be one of the, like the podcast that first comes to mind for me. Do you have any podcast recommendations? I do. And I want to just second that. Uh, Karina is a friend of both of ours. And I've been listening to that since it started and since before I even found out we were pregnant, just because I thought there's so much wisdom here. Let me just see if I can capture some of it for when it's relevant. And then it became relevant. So (laughs) she's wonderful. I love that podcast. I would also recommend so two other ones. One I've really enjoyed listening to for a while now. It's not pregnancy specific, but I think Sometimes it's helpful to also think about after pregnancy. For some people, that's overwhelming. For me, that's actually like, I feel like I have a little more control over that. So I kind of like thinking about it. But it's called The Best of Both Worlds. It's co-hosted by one of my favorite authors, Laura Vanderkam. And I'll link to it, of course, link to all of these. And her one of her friends who's a physician, and they both have multiple children. And their whole podcast revolves around kind of making work and family life fit together and just knowing that our audience is a lot of occupational therapists and whether people decide to take a break from work to raise their children or decide to manage both, whatever you know is best for your family, they really address some of those topics to sort of help people be as successful as they can be. And what I love about it is that they're so real and both personalities are so different. So Sarah Hart Unger is the other co-host. I have to, she's so organized and with it. She will like serve her family all these like super healthy complex meals and she like journals every day. She's like what I picture is like the ideal that I will never even just try to do, but she's so cool. And I think she's wonderful and I really admire her. And then Laura's like, yeah, my children only eat chicken nuggets and that's just what we do in our house because that's life. Right. And so the balance of those two personalities, I feel like covers just a wide range of, of like the listener personalities. So I love hearing their dynamic and they have really great guests and also just really great advice on how to make the most of your life and prioritize what matters to you. And so I think as part of that, me thinking about what's life going to look like when the tiny human is not inside of me, how are we going to live our best lives? And so I've I've been listening to their podcast for years, actually. I just think they're really fun to listen to. And one last one, this is kind of a new one. Um, it's actually another, another friend that I'll put a little plug for. Um, it's called The Unstressed Mama. And it's three co-hosts. A one is a finance expert. One's actually a physical therapist. Another one is also kind of like a fitness expert in a way, but they they try to really address holistically factors of of being a mom, but beyond the immediate child care tasks, mm-hmm. like just really caring about the health of moms. And I think that's that's really important too. So I'll put a plug in for that one. Yeah. And 
I have a couple of Instagram accounts that I actually have, I would say I've recently started following them. I haven't been following all that long, maybe maybe a month or two. But the two that come to mind, there's one, it's at the Passionate Physio. She's a physical therapist from Canada. And she's all about kind of like getting back to you, getting back into your workouts and really, really kind of understanding that like postpartum life. And then the other one is the at pregnant postpartum athlete. Again, <laughs> you can tell like I'm really big that I want to get back into working out and, <laughs> yeah, and awesome. getting back to that meaningful occupation for me. So those two Instagram accounts are ones that I really, really enjoy following. And then also there are a couple of YouTube channels that I've really gotten a lot out of. Of course, the first one I'm going to mention has to do with working out. And I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but it's called Glow Body PT. And I started that as soon as I could start working out again. And it's broken out by week. It's broken out by trimester. And you can kind of like mix and match or you can follow it, you know, to a T if you wanted to. But what I really like about it is that typically it's broken down into like three different routines. So if you only wanted to do like five or 10 minutes, you could pick one or two of them. Or if you wanted to do more, you can pick as many as you want to do. And there's yoga, there's some with weights, there's some without weights. And I've really just kind of liked the energy. And a big thing for me, I like following along with YouTube videos and YouTube workouts with people that are actually pregnant at the time. Mm -hmm. It's for me, like I, there's this connection. They kind of understand what you're going through rather than somebody that's feeling a hundred percent and is like, watch me throw my leg up straight in the air. And you're like, yeah, I can't do that right now. So this girl, she has most of her content is when she is pregnant, but she does have someone she's not. But I just, I really like when you're actually like kind of at the same stage as, as the person that's yeah. demonstrating the workouts. And then another one too, that I found a lot of value in is it's called Kids OT Help. So it's actually, it's an occupational therapist and she talks a lot about raising kids and developmental milestones and feeding and all sorts of kind of stuff. So that's another good one. And actually, she did recently have a child and documented kind of her own pregnancy journey as well. So very early on, it was like week seven, this is what I'm going through. And like hearing her say mm -hmm. that, I'm like, okay. I'm going through that too. Okay, week 10, this is what I'm going through. And I'm like, yes, I'm going through that too. So not only like child development, but then also kind of that pregnancy journey okay. too. I'm definitely going to have to check some of those out because I think one, I need to work out and two, that just sounds really helpful to go through those milestones, both of pregnancy and child. You're really convicting me to work out, Sarah. This is, <laughs> this is really healthy for me, I think. <laughs> Oh man. We actually got a Peloton recently, but Ooh. I did, I didn't know you, <laughs> I thought you could go without ordering the shoes. I thought you'd get a little cage and put your own shoes in. Cause that's how I've done it before at the gym. So no. I have, and then of course I'm too cheap. So I didn't want to order them through Peloton. So I had one failed eBay attempt at buying them. And then now I, I'm fingers crossed, have a successful eBay attempt. So I will work out once my Peloton shoes come in, or at least that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe in the meantime, I should just check out YouTube because I yes. have no excuse. <laughs> and it's free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not have a book recommendation. I will say I've been a little hesitant to just purchase books because, or even just rent them from the library, just because there's so many great other resources out there that are frequently updated. However, a friend did give me this book called Mama Natural. And it's this mom who basically, I think it was before she had kids, she kind of was super unhealthy and just had a bad diet, was smoking, doing all sorts of things that just were not like for you know, best for her. And then she got pregnant and realized things need to change or she changed. Then she got pregnant. One of the two, 
And so she has this whole book about like natural ways of doing things in pregnancy. And I, I appreciate that she doesn't come at it from like a judgmental perspective if you don't want to do these things. There's a lot in this book that I am not doing or planning on doing. But hearing another perspective besides the traditional medical model is at least helping me to ask the right questions, I think, and learn more. And she has like fun recipes. But, you know, there's some good advice in there and some good descriptions of what should be happening each week with your own body and with the baby. And it's helpful. And I feel like she provides just a different perspective than I was seeing elsewhere. So it's been a nice supplement. But again, I think read the description. If it sounds like something you'd be really into, maybe get it. And if it doesn't, it's not like the end all be all resource. It's just another helpful tool. I love it. And actually, I have, I have two last things that I would mm-hmm. that I would recommend. One being, it's kind of an app and also a website. So it's interesting. I I subscribe to the email list, so I kind of get it through the the website portion of it. But my husband actually uses the app portion of it. So it's like the same information, but mm-hmm. we just kind of go about it a different way. But it's called What to Expect, and it literally breaks it down like week by week and goes through kind of symptoms, things to expect, baby size, questions that you should be asking your doctor. There's also a forum component to it, which is good and bad because <laughs> some of the things I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Maybe I should ask my doctor. And some of it you feel like, you're like, oh, I'm not experiencing that or I am like I'm experiencing that worse. And so you kind of have that comparison. Right. And then there's also a lot of people that are just kind of complaining about things. So you kind of have to weed through some of it. But there, sure. there is some good content in in the forum portion. But Every every bump day, as Miranda and I have <laughs> termed the the day that we bump forward in in our weekly gestation. Um, what was I going to say with that? Oh, like that's like the first thing that my husband and I do in the morning, and yeah. he'll be like, "Okay, like today," because today's our bump day and we wake up and he's like well cheers to 36 weeks and he'll bust out the app and then kind of read through (laughs) like what to expect this week so Mm -hmm. that one's been really beneficial and then the last thing that I would say in terms of resources and every provider every doctor every OB every state like everything's going to be different but my very first appointment going to my OB I got a bunch of resources Mm -hmm. and I kind of use that as like my Bible and like I'll read stuff on the internet, but then I'll also compare it to like what is in all of the stuff that they gave me and really utilize that and be like, okay, like this is something that my doctor gave me. I understand like a lot of this is pretty valid. Some Mm -hmm. of the stuff that I read on the internet might not necessarily be the best or completely the (laughs) truth or kind of take it with a grain of salt too. So utilize those resources that you can get from your doctor too. Because I think a lot of times that's like overlooked and people are just like, oh, we don't need to look at that anymore. But there's a lot of good information there as well. I have one more app that I want to recommend and it's similar to what to expect. I use both. Frequently there's overlap in information, but this one is called Ovia and they have a pregnancy app and a parenting app to kind of follow you through the journey so they don't kind of like leave you hanging at at nine months. But I've particularly found their health coaching to be useful. Through my husband's work, we have access to free health coaching through Ovia. I'm assuming you can pay for it if you don't have that as a benefit, but through his company, we have access to a health coach. So it's great because some of those questions that I really want to ask, but it doesn't necessarily feel worth calling the doctor's office. I'm getting mixed reviews online of what I should do. And I just, I want an answer, but it doesn't feel that pressing. I can just go to the health coach on there and it's just a messaging app. And the the person who responds does change, but I've had a lot of the same people and they're all nurses or otherwise some sort of like midwives, some sort of expert in pregnancy. And so they, what I love is when I ask for advice, they not only summarize it, but then they give me links to the articles 
Mm. It's or the whatever resource they got it from, whether it's like Mayo Clinic or something like you know, like reliable resources. Right. So as someone, you know, all of us, I think probably listening and, and participating really value evidence based advice, not just like whatever the person down the street decided was best for them. And so I find it really helpful. So even we talked about tea earlier. I read all these blogs like if you drink tea, like horrible things are going to happen to your child. And I was like, that doesn't feel right. But I also it's not worth it to drink tea. And I always drink. I, I don't I cannot handle caffeine. So anyway, so that was not like something I miss at all. So I was gonna, only going to drink herbal tea, but I've read all these things that herbal teas will like put you into early labor, all these scary things that I was like, I it's not worth it. But also this can't be right. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to them about that. And they sent me all these articles about tea, all these things that were helpful. And then they just said, like, can I help you go through this anymore? Does anything not make sense to you? Like, is there more we can talk about? And it was it's just so helpful. And I've messaged them about all sorts of things. And they always sign with their name and their credentials. So, you know, it's not just this, like, unknown, anonymous person. You actually know their name and, you know, in you know, at least their credentials of what kind of qualifies them to give advice. And I have found it to be a very useful resource. So all that to say, if you work for a health system or if your partner works for a company that provides some additional resources, it's really worth just checking it out and seeing what they provide because it can't hurt to, to give it a try and to um, see if they have anything that would be particularly helpful for you at any stage of pregnancy or parenting. So really glad my husband found that one. Um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome too, right? And just another another support system outside yeah. of the doctors and outside of, you know, the 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 rest of your team and everything like that. Yeah. So, again, like kind of what we mentioned previously, like these are some of the resources that we have found valuable. Take it with a grain of salt. You might love them, you might hate them, but these are things that we like and that have added value to our lives and our pregnancy mm-hmm. journey and we just wanted to share them. <laughs> with you and hopes that it maybe it will help. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully we didn't just overwhelm you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) At the end of the episode. Ignore anything that didn't resonate. (laughs) Just ignore it if if it doesn't work for you. (laughs) This has been so much fun, Sarah, to just talk with you. We have lots of conversations along this journey of being pregnant and lots of joys and scary moments. And I just appreciate, you know, you being willing to talk and share so honestly about your experiences. And I know it's helped me and I hope that people listening can glean something from it, if not just at least get a laugh out of some of the silly things that we're encountering on a daily basis that we didn't expect from pregnancy. Yeah. And honestly, like this opportunity to sit down and have this conversation, even though we do talk kind of all the time and we're kind of constantly like texting and being like, oh my Mm. gosh, has this happened to you? What's going on here? I think taking this time and and sitting down and actually like pressing record on this, A, I think it's going to be really interesting to look back and kind of reflect on this whole process where we are right now, because Mm -hmm. in a week, in a month, in six months, in nine months, like it's going to be really interesting to look, kind of have this glimpse into where we are. But I also think in talking to you and and in talking with other people that are also kind of pregnant during this time, it's really been a therapeutic process for me. And just reflecting and being mindful about different things and learning, learning from each other and Mm -hmm. really kind of just like embracing, embracing it all, embracing the discomfort, embracing the silly little things that happen that, you know, might impact us kind of negatively when they first happen. And then we can kind of look back and have that humor about it as well. And then also looking to the future and the excitement, the Mm -hmm. joy, and also maybe some of the anxiousness and hesitancy that kind of comes with the unknown of what's about to happen. So 
yeah, I'm I'm really, really thankful that both you and I are going through this together mm-hmm. and that we came together and did this episode to really kind of highlight our experiences and just share some insight about what we've been going through, the good, the bad, and some mm-hmm. of the ugly as well. So yeah, thank you. This really has been such a phenomenal chat. And I just always think that life is so much better done together. And I'm really glad to be on this journey with you. And I would just welcome any of our listeners to let us know if something resonated with you or if something that we said was the complete opposite of your experience or if you have hacks that you just think we need to know about. We welcome those. (laughs) We know there's many other people with a lot of wisdom out there who might be listening. And so just would love for this conversation to continue and Mm -hmm. just shared expertise. Like we all know our own experience as we've been saying, and I would be just delighted to learn from other people as well. And I know you would too, Sarah. So I look forward to seeing how this conversation continues. Completely. And yes, like if there's any questions, any comments, any sort of insight that people want to share, like, please, we're, we're both here. You know how to get in contact with us. And <laughs> yeah, like, let's let's just learn from each other and uplift each other and continue on this journey together. I hope you enjoyed this episode of OT Uncorked. I had a lot of fun chatting with my friend Sarah about pregnancy from the joyful, the challenging, the funny, and everything in between. Whether you're a mama, a future mama, have friends that are mamas, or work with mothers in your practice, I hope this episode has given you at least two people's insights on the occupational transitions of pregnancy. Listening back to this episode over a month after we recorded it, I'm struck by the challenges we were facing then and just how quickly transitions happen in pregnancy. Before becoming pregnant and before chatting with Sarah, I hadn't processed just how much adaptation is required of us when we're pregnant. There's so much adaptation in a season of life when everything is changing. Our identities, our abilities, our body shape and size, our relationships and dynamics, our goals and priorities, our favorite occupations. You name it, it's probably changed a few times during pregnancy. From an OT lens and from lived experience, I now see just how much support new and pregnant moms need to navigate these transitions while maintaining their own health and the health of their babies. Stay tuned for another episode of OT Uncorked coming out later this summer about maternal postpartum OT and how we can bring our valuable theory to practice with mamas. The best way to find out about new episodes of OT Uncorked is to subscribe. You can do this in whichever podcast player you use, typically by clicking on the title of the show and then subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to share it with a friend, whether that be an OT friend or a mama friend or both. Finally, we'd love to hear about your experiences of pregnancy and what you thought of this episode. Did anything resonate? How has your experience of pregnancy been different? Let us know. You can find Sarah and I on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Each of our social media info is in the show notes, and we can't wait to connect. Thank you so much for listening to OT Uncork. It's always fun to sit down with you and uncork OT, even if it's with a glass of water. Cheers! Yay! <laughs> and we did we it! We did it! <laughs> okay, I... I'm only sweating it a little on it, but I have to pee so badly. <laughs> Me too! Okay, let's run to okay. the bathroom and then we can close up. <laughs>